Hello and welcome to a Thursday afternoon Bible study on Bill Allen's Facebook page. Uh, if you're watching it at 3 p.m. live, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad to have you. And uh, if you're watching it a little bit later, uh, that is a great thing too. Thank you for joining in on this uh, wonderful Bible study as we are going through the whole Bible. We are using F. Lagarde Smith's daily Bible reading tool, the Daily Bible in Chronological Order. And it is a wonderful tool, my favorite daily Bible reading plan. And I hope that if you've never actually uh, read through the Bible in a year, that you will consider that. If uh, you're saying, well, Bill, here we are in the middle of April and I haven't even started, that's okay. Whether you haven't started yet and are thinking about it or whether you've started and then kind of gotten behind a little bit, you know what I always say, read today's reading first. So start right now on today's reading and then follow up with that and go back and catch up if you like. But just try to stay with it and read the current day's reading each day. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a great pleasure to be with you. We have these on my Facebook page live at 3 p.m. Central Time. And then we share them on the West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook pages, the regular church page and the West Irwin Live page, which also shows our Sunday morning worship assemblies live. And, uh, and also on our uh, website, westerwin.com, uh, and that's Irwin with an E, E-R-W-I-N. And you click on our uh, social media and resources page, click on the live streaming page, and then you can uh, scroll down to click on the link that says video archives, and, and you can find all kinds of lessons uh, there, including my sermons and uh, some recent worship services and also these uh, these Facebook lessons, and we go way back on those. We've been doing live streaming for several years, and uh, of course, very valuable, especially during the pandemic. As we continue on through the Daily Bible, we find ourselves, of course, still in the Old Testament. By the way, we're in the Old Testament until October, around the middle of October. But at this time, we are uh, with King David. And King David is, uh, has come into power. He has taken the place of King Saul. And uh, last uh, Tuesday, we talked about uh, his uh, sin with Bathsheba, uh, the murder of Uriah, her husband, and then the uh, death of uh, David and Bathsheba's son that was born <clears throat> to them while Uriah uh, was conceived, while Uriah, her husband, was in battle for King David. To try to cover it up, David had him sent to the front lines and killed, and then married Bathsheba after her time of mourning for her husband, and um, thinking everything was great, and then the prophet Nathan comes to him and says that God knows what has happened, and David repents in an incredible way. We read Psalm 51 on Tuesday, and that is his cry for repentance. Psalm 32 is his acknowledgement that uh, how blessed it is to have your sins forgiven. And that's a great psalm to read as well. We're going to read Psalm 3 here in a little bit, but we have another story to tell about King David. And it's another one of those difficult moments, and it's a moment that uh, most every parent shares <laughs> in one way or another. I think nearly uh, David may be the only parent who had experienced what 
uh, he does with his son Absalom, although uh, when you get into political rule, um, all bets are off, apparently, if you're a student of history. But with David, of course, as a king of Israel, you're going to have your threats from time to time and people who try to overtake your nation and some, perhaps, who will try to uh, steal your throne. And for David, that actually happens. But for David, it is uh, one of his sons. It is his son, Absalom. And David, just like he loved all of his children, I'm sure he loved Absalom very, very much. We understand that uh, David had several wives and concubines, uh, not justifying that at all, just saying that is exactly what the situation was. And so he had several children who were half-brother and sister. They were sons or daughters of his, but they had different mothers. And that comes into play, especially as we tell um, this story. Because David has uh, a son, Absalom. Um, none of these, by the way, are children of Bathsheba. David has a son, Absalom. And uh, Absalom has a full sister named Tamar. And they have a half-brother by the name of Amnon. And Amnon, uh, of course, grows up as the son of the king, just like uh, the others do. And Amnon is one who uh, falls in love with his half-sister, uh, Tamar. He is very much in love with her and uh, wants to marry her, wants to have her, at least so he thinks. And, of course, he's dejected all the time. And finally, he comes up with a plan, and he pretends that he's sick, and he tells his father, King David, why don't you have Tamar bring me something to eat? And she does, and then he sends everyone else out, and he makes a pass at her, and she refuses. Um, and when she refuses, because he is stronger and more powerful, he rapes her. And then she leaves in mourning and, uh, of course, takes off her very ornate uh, clothes and puts on um, uh, clothes of mourning. And, uh, and, and the scripture says, and this is all happening in, uh, in 2 Samuel, starting at about chapter 13 and going on for several chapters. But uh, Amnon, um, because of his cruelty and his selfishness, uh, scripture says that he despised uh, Tamar uh, almost as much or even more than he had loved her before uh, he had taken advantage of her. And, and it's a horrible, horrible, terrible thing. And I, I think this is one of those things where we're embarrassed by it, we're ashamed of it. We kind of wish that it wasn't in the Bible. But one of the things about it being in the Bible, I think a couple things. Number one, the characters in the Bible are human. Just like David sinned uh, with Bathsheba and Uriah, uh, Amnon sins as well. And so even though he is the son of the king, he is still portrayed in, a, uh, in an honest way. And so it, it helps us to see that uh, scripture discloses those things, doesn't hide them, doesn't sugarcoat them. And, and this is the son of King David, one of the great heroes of the whole Bible. But he is one who is uh, projected honestly because of his, his sin. So he takes uh, advantage of Tamar and then despises her just as much as he had loved or lusted after her. And Tamar goes to her brother, to Absalom. 
uh, or and uh, and and she tells him, you know, this this has happened, and he says, was this not Amnon? And she says, yes. And so he tells her, just be quiet for a while. And it's a couple of years before he does anything, and uh, Tamar stays with her brother. Uh, basically uh, dejected and an outcast because of what happened to her. That's wrong. It should never have been that way. She shouldn't have been held responsible at all. But society uh, also sins and does things wrong and certainly did that wrong with Tamar. So there's uh, Absalom taking care of his sister and looking for the right opportunity. And finally that opportunity comes and Absalom kills his half-brother Amnon uh, because of vengeance, to take uh, revenge on him because of what he did to Tamar. Well, of course, that gets Absalom in hot water, and so he flees. He runs uh, away. And David mourns. I mean, he's mad at his son, doesn't want to talk to him, doesn't want to see him, but he loves him, and he wants Absalom uh, to uh, to to come back. So uh, Absalom is and David are both talked to. David has this interesting story after he has uh, told uh, Absalom that he's not welcome in town anymore. And he hears a story from a woman who applies it to King David. And David realizes, yeah, I guess I need to bring him back. So he sends word to Absalom that it's okay for you to come back, but you can't come in my presence. And so he does that. He goes uh, back to Jerusalem, and as he's doing that, he uh, does not have any contact with his father, the king. Uh, well, in, in uh, chapter 17 and 18, we begin to see uh, Absalom having um, some uh, difficulty. And, uh, but to get there, in chapter 15, Absalom begins to do a little bit of politicking. In chapters 15 and 16, we see Absalom making his play for power. And it starts out um, kind of uh, small. He just kind of hangs around the city gate and where people are. And they come around and they're, of course, because uh, politics are politics, no matter whether it's 1000 BC in Jerusalem or 2022 in the United States, um, politicians don't always act the way they should and people don't always get their needs met. And so when Absalom would find someone that had a gripe, he would tell them, oh boy, I tell you, if I were king, I would do blah, 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 blah. And so he begins to turn people away from his father and towards him and he tries to help them. Ultimately, uh, what happens is uh, Absalom is able to draw people together enough to where uh, he can actually force his father to leave. And Absalom does exactly that. He forces David and those who are loyal to David to leave. And as they're leaving, there are people who make fun of them, throw rocks at them. And David, because of his uh, still heart of mourning for his son and the shame that he feels, he won't let any of his uh, loyal soldiers, these mighty men that followed him, he won't let them uh, go against any of those because he says, hey, uh, of, of course this is happening. I deserve this. Uh, there's, there's shame everywhere. Uh, we're not going to turn away from it. 
And so David flees in uh, chapter 15. And as uh, he continues, he, he leaves behind what we would call a couple of spies. He leaves behind some individuals, priests and others, who are actually uh, loyal to him. And even though he has to leave, uh, he still is able to keep a few people there. And in chapter 16 and 17, we see this of 2 Samuel. We see this uh, beginning to work out and actually beginning to sway things for David. Um, <clears throat> some of the spies that he's left offer up uh, advice that causes Absalom to take bad advice, and it causes him to have some division in his ranks. And ultimately, it works against him to where David's men begin to see the opportunity and they're able to go after Absalom. And when they do, they chase after him. And Absalom has this long hair. He used to cut it once a year, it says, and then he would sell it. But he had, um, he had this long flowing hair. And when Absalom is fleeing, his hair gets caught uh, in a tree. And he's just hanging there. And so one of David's uh, soldiers sees him there, but he won't lift up a hand because he knows King David and how he feels about him. But Joab, the commander, of course, he's a, he's a soldier, he's an officer, he's a guy that's very loyal to King David, and he doesn't care. And so he uh, throws three javelins into um, Absalom, and he is killed. And so they send word back to King David of what has happened that he has been defeated and Absalom try, or, uh, uh, Joab tries to save someone who wants to tell the king the news but he knows it's not going to go well for whoever the messenger is but the man goes ahead with it and David hears the news and before he's able to finish David has this heart-rending uh, statement and question in 2 Samuel 18 verse 32 as he's hearing about the victory his one concern is this, is the young man Absalom safe? That's what David wanted more than anything. And that's why he had fled Jerusalem and had given up. He just didn't want to see his son killed. He had already lost a son, as you know, when Bathsheba's child uh, was, was uh, born and, and died shortly after. David cannot bear the loss of Absalom, his son. And so... Um, he hears the word. Is the young man Absalom safe? And the response is, oh, may all of your enemies be like that young man. And he had been killed. And so David begins to mourn. He mourns for his son Absalom, even though Absalom had tried to take away his kingdom and had humiliated him publicly in many ways. Still, David mourns for his son Absalom, so much so that the uh, army <laughs> begins to uh, become depressed. And Joab and others go to the king and they say, look, this is, this is not going to go well. You're going to have to come out of this or else you're going to lose your kingdom forever. And so David hears that advice and he realizes that, um, that he needs to do that. And so he gets up and takes his place uh, at the city gate so that the Israelites uh, can 
can see that their king is actually back. He returns to Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 19. And uh, you're going to be reading some of that in the days ahead, but I wanted to go ahead and finish this story of Absalom. And one of the things that uh, we read in this passage, when Absalom dies, uh, David cries out, O Absalom, Absalom, my son Absalom, how I wish I would have died in your stead. He had told his, uh, his soldiers, protect the young man Absalom for my sake. And then when word comes back, uh, the thing that David says is, is the young man Absalom safe? And that's in verse 32 of Second uh, Samuel 18. And it's just a, it's just a heart-rending thing. And the king continues to mourn for Absalom. In chapter 19, verse 4, the king covered his face and cried aloud, O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. He had done that at the end of chapter 18 as well. If only I had died instead of you. Which is a very interesting statement, and I'm not sure that this is actually what David was thinking, but I've heard someone say one time in a book, I believe, that what David is saying there is he wishes he would have died when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Uriah, her husband, sent to the front lines and killed in battle. Because the punishment for that is death. And so the suggestion was, is King David here saying, I wish I had gotten what I deserved then, because that way I would have never uh, experienced this right now. I'm not sure that that's what David was thinking, but I believe that that is uh, a, a, a great way of expressing the, the sorrow, the great intense sorrow that David is feeling. So David cries out for his son, and then, um, and then finally David comes around. Well, this is a very, very sad story, and all of us who are parents, we've experienced that heartbreak of children. Again, not anything like what David has experienced here, probably. But we, we have been hurt, and by not just our children, but by our parents, in some cases, by brothers or sisters, uh, by dear friends, even sometimes by by church leaders, unfortunately, and it's a it's the, a human condition to um, to sin. We've all sinned and fall short of God's glory. Romans three says, but it says that in the context of receiving the forgiveness that comes by faith through the blood of Jesus Christ. So it, it's difficult for us to handle these situations. We can cry out just like David cried out. In chapter 51 of Psalms, the psalm, uh, the psalm says that David cries out for forgiveness. And I want us to read a psalm today before we close, and it's Psalm 3. It's Psalm 3. And we've talked about these titles of some of the psalms, that they're not inspired, but they're likely accurate based on the Hebrews understanding. The best way to tell, as I've said, the context and the, and the situation surrounding a psalm is to read the content and to decide that. And you'll find that the titles are very consistent with what the content would show. For example, Psalm 51. When Nathan the prophet came and confronted David with his sin, David responds with Psalm 51, crying out for forgiveness. 
very consistent. In the same way, this psalm, Psalm 3, says, A psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. And so as we read these words, we, we understand what David is feeling. We understand the heartbreak that he has. And we understand the fear and the anxiety and the worry. And at the same time, uh, the love and trust in, in God that David feels. Psalm 3. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. There's a beautiful song that's found um, in contemporary Christian circles today in verses 3 and 4. You, O Lord, Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. It's such a beautiful, beautiful song. An amazing song. And it's taken right out of this psalm, Psalm 3. David cries out to the Lord, acknowledging there are people who are trying to kill him, and they, they have the power to do it. But the Lord is a shield about him. He is his glory. He is the one who lifts his head. And David ends the psalm by saying, Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. And then finally in verse 8, From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. So as we close today, I say that same prayer. Uh, Arise, Lord, deliver us, my God. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. I pray that prayer for you today. Whatever your heartbreak comes from, just remember that the Lord is a shield about you. He will lift up your head and he will bring about your ultimate deliverance. God bless you and I'll see you next week on Tuesday.